It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Kentucky gets another win. Louisville gets a win. Uh, so I'm sure Cats and Cards fans had a pretty solid weekend. Probably not the best weekend, though, if you're Chris Jones. The formal, former Cardinal kicked off the team this weekend shortly after uh, a 17-point performance, five rebounds, two assists against Miami. He's gone. Suspended for the Syracuse game, a short-lived suspension, as they so often are under Rick Pitino. Uh, ended up with him really being the reason Louisville was able to beat Miami, in my opinion at least. Terry Rozier with a very, very off game. Chris Jones came to save the day. But as you have it, something happened. We don't know exactly what. There's rumors. Everybody's heard, uh, probably heard a few things. But Louisville will go on without their senior guard. We'll talk about what that means for Louisville, where they go from here, and just the the weirdness throughout this whole situation. Kentucky beats Auburn, a, a blowout win, I, one of the better games Kentucky has played this season, a uh, season high, 110 points against Bruce Pearl in the Tigers. Cats move to 27-0. and They'll head to Starkville. This week before a, a really big matchup against Arkansas. I think that's going to be a, an exciting game to watch in Rupp Arena. If that game was in Fayetteville, I think a lot of people may be picking the upset. But as you have it, it's in Lexington. Makes it a little bit easier for the Cats. But uh, easily their, their most important game that they've played probably since the Louisville game uh, in terms of difficulty. Of course, they've had some scares here and there. We'll talk about. You know, we're going to obviously talk about the Mississippi State game and the Auburn game. We won't look too far ahead to Arkansas, but it is a big week for Kentucky. Uh, going on the road is never easy. And then, like I said, they're their first ranked team that they will play in quite some time. Uh, but a big win for the Cats. Got into it on Twitter with a lot of people about Gonzaga. We're going to talk a little bit about the Zags today. We talked about them last week. We're going to talk a little more uh, in seeding, we're going to talk a lot about March Madness. We are not too far away. Less than three weeks to go until Selection Sunday. Conference tournaments start in about two weeks. It's starting to heat up despite the, the cold weather outside. Yates, how are you today? Doing well, TJ. How are you? I'm doing great. Did you have yourself a nice little weekend? Yeah, not too bad. Do anything exciting? No, not really. Took it easy. One of these times, you're you're going to have an awesome story, and I I just can't wait for it. I certainly hope that's the case. It's obviously not today, but soon enough, I, I believe it's coming. Uh, but move, moving on, uh, did you or did you watch the Oscars last night, Yates? Uh, I watched a little bit of it. I guess maybe the first, I don't know, hour hour and a half or so, and then I had to go. Uh, to the, the Sunday night TV show. Interesting. Uh, it's If I had it my way, I, I, I don't like watching award shows, and I, they're just not fun to me, but I did watch some of the Oscars last night, and even that, it seemed kind of boring, although the vibe I got from Twitter was the regulars thought it was a, it was a bit boring. Uh, but 
I haven't seen Birdman. I was actually going to watch it yesterday, but ran out of time, so I'm probably going to watch it here pretty soon. So I can't really comment on on if that deserved to win or not. Uh, but did did feel a little bit bad for American Sniper in some categories, not being able to get the win. But it was a really good movie. Uh, but I, I I've spent way too much time talking on the Oscars, and it's been probably about thirty seconds. So uh, I, I'm I'm finished with that. Louisville plays Georgia Tech tonight. Uh, first segment, we're going to probably talk a lot about Louisville here. Uh, so they're going to be thrown right into the fire here without Chris Jones. It was really just over, I guess, maybe 24 hours, around 24 hours when they, when Brooke Patino and Louisville announced that Chris Jones was dismissed from the team, said there'd be no further comment on it, uh, and they're going to play a game again just about a day later from all this news. Yates, in your opinion, do you, do you feel that that's good to just get out there and start playing basketball again? Or is this maybe all this coming at Louisville maybe a little too quickly having to adjust without their one of their better scorers uh, and one of their senior leaders, one of the probably their best defender? Is this happening too soon? Would you, would you, being a Louisville fan, would you want the Cards to have a little more time to maybe adjust to life without Chris Jones? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess normally you probably would want that, but I – it wasn't it wasn't a good thing by any means, but if the, what happened happened and he gets kicked off the team, I suppose it was a good thing that he got suspended uh, the game previously, and you you had a chance for for Quentin to get a little more acclimated. So it's not you know it's not completely sudden where it's you know Quentin hasn't played any significant minutes. He at least has one game under his belt where he was the the starting point guard. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying in that it, not just Louisville, but Quinton being thrown right into the fire, having to take on all those responsibilities. But uh, on the flip side, I do think that maybe, and, and I could see both sides of it, and I, I don't know which one is, is the, the best side of it all, but I, I could see a situation where a little bit more time, a little bit more practice days, let's say Louisville didn't play till Wednesday, then... Rick Pitino would be able to gather his team. To, and I'm sure they've probably already had this conversation as they flew down to Atlanta and uh, have been there the last 24 hours, but kind of gather his group and say, all right, this is the, the hand that we were dealt. Chris made some bad decisions. We're moving on without him. Let's regroup. Let's refocus. Let's, let's figure out how to, how to do this. Uh, I think a little bit more time could have helped in that sense, and also getting Quinn Snyder a bit more prepared. He did play 38 minutes against Syracuse and then only comes back to play five against Miami. Obviously, that makes sense. Without Chris Jones, he's going to play more. With with Jones in the lineup, he wasn't going to play as much, especially with how well Jones was playing against the Hurricanes. But I, I, you, you do wonder where he's at mentally. I guess the good news is he did play well against Syracuse, so if he's able to do that, uh, he's likely able to bounce back and, and, and respond as, as quickly as possible. On the flip side, though, while I think there there could be some benefits in having some time, the fact that they're going to be thrown out there right tonight can can end the Chris Jones talk if they win. If they beat Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech's not a good team. They play Duke close, uh, but they're just 3-12 and 12 in conference, don't really have any great wins. They played Notre Dame close, so they, they have gotten up for some big games. Uh, but at the end of the day, they still don't have – a quality win outside of beating Miami, which Miami is a weird team. They've got some weird losses. But if Louisville can go down there and win, and especially maybe win with with ease, look good doing it, then 
I think the Chris Jones talk gets put on put on the side. Uh, you'd still probably hear some rumors and rumbling about exactly what happened, but you don't worry too much about Louisville being able to at least finish out the regular season. And I know there's going to be two tough games for Louisville uh, after this little road trip. They'll play Notre Dame and Virginia, but those games are at home. Very winnable games, in my opinion. So a win would be huge. Now, on the flip side, the risky part, if Louisville goes down to Georgia Tech and gets beat, Cards don't play again until Saturday. You hear the Chris Jones talk for, and it gets louder, in my opinion. You hear that for the next five, six days. I think a lot of fans start to give up hope. I think a lot of fans already have, surprisingly. Louisville fans are awfully spoiled. So are Kentucky fans. And and when things don't go as you're used to the past few years, the sky starts falling. So it's kind of a risk-reward type of thing with this game being so early, so quickly after Chris Jones was dismissed. You win, and I think it puts it away, at least until you lose again. You lose, and the whole season changes. Chris Jones, a player for Louisville that he's had a troubled past, hasn't really had his basketball career go the way that he planned right from the get-go when he originally committed to Tennessee but was academically ineligible. Comes to Louisville fresh off a national title, able to provide some valuable minutes and, and really be part of a of a, a really fun defense to watch. Kentucky's defense is really good this year and fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. Virginia's is fun, maybe not is good. Excuse me. Virginia's is really good, but maybe not fun to watch. And statistically, both those defenses, Kentucky's and Virginia's, a lot better than Louisville's of last season. But that Louisville defense was fun. Pressured you for the the length of the floor, constantly in your face. It was kind of your classic Rick Pitino defense, which opposing fans. And opposing teams probably hate it because there is a lot of fouling and a lot of slapping. But that was the last year's defense was the type of defense Rick Pitino loves to play. If you just had maybe a, a better shot blocker in the middle, it may be one of his better defensive, one of his better defensive teams. Chris Jones, a big reason why. Chris Jones, obviously their best defender this year as well. So it's been an up-and-down career for him. Yates, unfortunately for Chris Jones, and you hope as a somebody that's 20, 22 years old, going to be 23 this summer, you hope that he can figure all this out, whatever's wrong with him. Supposedly he's going to Houston for anger management training. How will he be remembered as a Louisville basketball player? Unfortunately, is it how we all think he's going to be remembered? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, he did some good things, played well here and there while he was here, but with the hype that he came in with, I think he's fortunately largely been a bust. I don't know. Well, you know, anytime you get kicked off the team with four games left in the regular season, uh, that, that could be bust-worthy in terms of what you're able to provide. But, you know, if you average 10 points your first year out of school and then uh, 14 your second year, I, I mean, his numbers were good. I don't think his numbers were necessarily the issue. Is that what you're? Is that what you're saying? No, but I mean, it, it certainly wasn't a successful tenure at U of L. 
Sure, I agree with that. So I agree, and especially when you factor in the hype that he came in with. I mean, he was the 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 number one junior college player, and I mean, however misguided it may have been, there were people talking about the possibility that he was going to be one and done at U of L. So, I mean, that's that's clearly what's clearly was not the case. I would say that you know, not necessarily numbers wise, but just overall compared to what people thought he was going to be, his time at U of L was a bust. What and that's and people are going to remember him obviously for this incident. And if some of the rumors are true that I've heard, and I'm not going to talk about them on the air because I'm sure you probably, I'm sure you all listening have heard at least some of them. If some of the rumors are true, then go get help. Figure out your life. Basketball should not be the your your main focus right now. But he will be remembered for all this in, for the incidents uh, off the court, being a, a headache for Rick Pitino. But I I am just curious how it, how things could have changed for him. And and you know maybe this is wrong, but if, if Louisville were to beat Kentucky in the Sweet Sixteen last year and likely get to the Final Four. I think that Wisconsin game last year would have been a really tough game for Louisville, but if you win that and have a chance, you know, it's not completely unreasonable to think had Louisville beat Kentucky, they'd have a really, really good chance to go back-to-back with Chris Jones being a big part of that team. Now, obviously, Russ Smith was was the, the face, Montrez Harrell as well, but, you know, he played a very significant role in that team. If that happens, uh, I feel this is a much bigger loss, similar really to the Shane Bahannon incident and, and, and really, you know, even Kevin Ware. So there's just, it, it really comes at a bad time for Louisville, not only because there's four games left in the season. That's the obvious answer for why it's a bad time. It just seems like there's been more quote unquote knuckleheads in the program the last few years than really had been there for a while. And, and Bettino has had this happen from time to time. Uh, Derek character, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys that have been in Louisville's program that I think Patino hoped that maybe he could get to and, and for whatever reason couldn't. But it really has been a lot lately. Uh, and Yates, does that should that change anything for Patino? Should he be more selective in the characters of players that he's that he is accepting to, to represent the University of Louisville? Um, I don't know. I mean. I, no, I mean, I guess I don't know. That's that's a tough one because I don't know what all you know he knew about and was aware of with regard to Chris Jones before Chris Jones got on campus or or any of these guys really. I mean, I'm sure you have some idea, but I don't think you should necessarily turn away a kid unless there are major major issues. I mean, if you you know if he's just quote a knucklehead. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily a reason to not take him because, you know, part of what you're doing is you're trying to help these kids grow up. So, you know, if you aren't going to be, if you're not going to give him a chance, then, you know, who is? So I don't think that necessarily he should change his criteria, I guess, when it comes to attitude. Well, I think the first criteria for any basketball coach is, is this player good enough to play basketball at my university? And whether that's Kentucky, Louisville, Duke, any of the big-time schools, that's the first thing they're going to look at. And then I do think there, I, I do think there's a second level of, okay, can this guy be a problem? Can he be a distraction? Let's look at his past. 
how many red flags are there, and how many do we think think that we can fix? And when you've, you've got a Hall of Fame coach like Rick Pitino, uh, when you've got a, a coach that's going to be in the Hall of Fame like John Calipari, these guys are, are one, great at their jobs, but two, also stubborn, and, and that's part of the reason they've gotten good at their jobs. They're stubborn. If, if you presented a guy like Chris Jones, who is academically ineligible to play college basketball out of high school, went the JUCO route, there had been some issues with the way he grew up, and there had been this and that. To that, I don't think Chris. I don't think Rick Pitino saw any major problems. I think he he saw a kid that was good, was talented, and you know didn't have a criminal past, and he'd be able to to have him mesh in the team. And 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 you know John Calipari's done that with some guys out of high school. Demarcus Cousins, if you if you heard people talk about him as a high school senior, you would have thought that no team would ever sign him with the trouble he had, and, and John Calipari was up for the challenge there, and it worked out perfect. Sometimes it does work out. Sometimes it doesn't. And, and while, again, it's been this, it's been a little bit of a bad streak for Bettino, and I do think he probably needs to be a bit more careful, maybe look into it a little bit more with guys that he's recruiting, just because you can't have it con- continually stack up, because that's going to hurt your recruiting. That's going to hurt you with other programs or with other recruits and their parents and other programs are going to use it against you. They will. And whether or not that's fair, that's a a different story. But I I do think he needs to be a bit more careful. I'm not saying he needs to be be a bit more selective, but maybe take a little bit more time in getting to know some of these players. It's it's really unfortunate, and it's strange. You don't see this happen a lot. especially with four games left in the season. It really changes Louisville's entire outlook for the rest of the season. And, and, and we'll get – and I'm excited about – I'm excited that Louisville's going to play tonight because we're going to get to see what they're going to look like. We got to see him against Syracuse, but we never thought that, okay, he's going to be done for good despite Patino saying that. Nobody really bought it. Got to see him against Syracuse, and it was a team that looked okay for a half and then not so good for another half. If they can go, and the good news is Georgia Tech isn't an overwhelming opponent. I, I still think Louisville should be able to win this game tonight. But we're going to get a much better idea of if Louisville can still, still pull this thing together and make something interesting out of March. Or if they're a team that's going to be lucky to get out of the first weekend. Tonight's going to be a good measuring stick for, for how that happens. Georgia Tech, again, not a great team. But have played big opponents well quality opponents they've they've been tight in some of those games and they've also lost to some really bad teams but they're certainly going to to give Louisville everything and they're probably going to smell blood this is a chance to get a a win against a top 25 opponent at home the seniors will only have one game left after this Louisville game it, it's despite being not a great opponent this can be a tough game for Louisville especially all things considering you got to wonder where mentally these other guys are where Terry Rozier is where Montrez Harrell is the season really hasn't gone as planned. It's been an okay season. 21 and 6, first year in the ACC, ranked. Only one loss that maybe could be considered a bad loss. But it just it hasn't felt like a, a great year for Lul when you know the players feel the same. So how do they respond? How do they gather? We'll know a lot more about this Louisville team after tonight. This is a game they should win. 
again, I think they, uh, if they don't, you know, there's still there's still time left in the season. But if they if they can't find a way to to beat a a, a Georgia Tech team that doesn't have a lot of talent, I, I don't think there's going to be much out of, much out of this team postseason wise, ACC tournament included. We're going to head to a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to head a little bit east and, and talk about Kentucky where things aren't as doom and gloom uh, with the Wildcats. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back to 1450 The Sports Buzz, second segment. First one was about Louisville. And for Louisville fans listening, it might have not been the most fun segment. Not because I was hard on Louisville or Chris Jones or Rick Patino, but just because it's not. You know, you look back at this time last year, Louisville was competing for a conference championship, looking good. Seed hopes were really anywhere from a one seed to, at worst, a four. And, of course, that's what ended up happening, but that was kind of silly. Should have been seeded higher without a doubt. Obviously, the year before that, Louisville was on the, on the way to a national championship run. I think a 16 or 17 game winning streak. Those are rare. It's just it's different. It's different, but this happens. And, and if you if it's going to happen, I think a, a guy like Rick Pitino is a a solid representative to to be able to handle it. We're going to talk some Kentucky basketball here first. Some potentially breaking news. A lot of rumors out there that, that Trinity High School coach Bob Beatty will leave, head to Arkansas. This isn't official, but there are some whispers and reports. Alex Davis at KY Preps just saying that he's heard rumors and rumblings, and uh, he's... It looks like it's going to happen. Again, there, there's just no official word just yet. It would be a, a crushing blow to Trinity's football program, regardless of whoever they would bring in. And I talked to some people close to Tr- Trinity, and it would be Andrew Andrew Coverdale that would come right in and, and take over. And a lot of people have told me if he comes in, that's not going to change anything. Trinity will be fine. When you have a guy that's had been as successful as Beatty, something's going to change. That doesn't mean that Trinity couldn't compete for a state t- title every year, but something's going to change. It's a, a, a guy that really dominated the high school football scene here in Louisville the last over the last decade. The last decade. You can't just say it with his departure, everything 
everything's fine. That's not the, no, that, that's not the way it works. It could be, but there's certainly no guarantee in that. Would be a huge, huge loss for Kentucky high school football for Trinity. Have to see how that would, how things would shake out there. Something to keep an eye on, though. Not a, not a hundred percent official just yet. Looking like that could happen. Just some high school news for you here on this Monday. Cats twenty-seven and zero. No problem beating Auburn. Uh, Bruce Pearl said before the game he didn't think that his team would have a chance. Uh, it was clear in the first few minutes that that wouldn't be the case. Good game for most UK players. Uh, a few things that stick out. One, the most impressive stat from this game isn't really from this game alone. It's from the past week. Seven Kentucky players in two games over the past week averaged nine points or more. Seven players, nine points or more. That's unbelievable to be that balanced. And, and, and while Kentucky wasn't playing maybe – you know, they weren't playing Duke and Kansas. Well, they did beat Kansas by 32. Uh, they weren't playing Duke and Wisconsin. They were playing Tennessee and Auburn, two teams that won't be in the tournament. But still to have seven players average nine points on a team that – on a team where it's so balanced. So balanced. So that, that's, that's what sticks out to me about the Auburn game is that you can have a stat like that. Second, Andrew Harrison is, is on a tear, playing extremely well for Kentucky the last few games. I don't really like to read stat lines and box scores. Last four, after a after very underwhelming performance against Florida, a game where he had three turnovers, one point. Since then, 13 points, four assists against LSU. Nine points, six assists against South Carolina. Fourteen points, two assists against Tennessee. Twelve points, nine assists against Auburn. Those are great numbers. Not just good numbers. Not okay to, uh, you know, he's doing his job. Those are really, really good NBA point guard numbers. Now you don't really hear that much about Andrew Harrison when he's playing well. It's generally when he's not doing so hot that you hear a lot of rumblings. There's a media opportunity today with, with Slice, spoke with the media. And Andrew, I think it was Andrew Harrison, he spoke with media as well. I don't know what other, they have two players go out and talk to the media. I don't know who the other guy was, uh, but it was, okay, it was Aaron Harrison, not Andrew Harrison. He spoke with the media and, uh, about coming back and has it gone the way he wanted it to go. He said, this is a great place. It's no rush to get out of here. On a chance that they could come back for a third year? I don't know. He said, smiling. And there's been a lot of talk whether or not they'll go, they'll stay. It seems like with the numbers they've had this year, maybe they actually come back. Andrew Harrison hasn't been on a lot of draft boards. If he has been on, he hasn't been that high. Aaron Harrison's been on draft boards, but not nearly as high as you would have thought with these guys a senior in high school a few years back. 
I don't know if they'll stay or, stay or go. I think a lot of that depends on what Kentucky does in the postseason. But I've always said that if you could get Andrew Harrison mid to late second round, it'd be a steal. An absolute steal. As a freshman, led his team part of, you know, I don't know if led his team, but was a starter on a team that went to the national title game. The next year, a starter on a team that started 27-0. and If you could get that kind of value late in the, late in the NBA draft, that'd be, a, that'd be a steal. Again, I don't know if they'll come back or go. I'd say if Kentucky were to go on and win a national title, there's no chance they come back. And if he, Andrew Harrison continues to play the way that he's playing, he's going he's gonna to move up draft boards. He's a 6'6 point guard. NBA teams would like that. He's shown that he can attack the rim, get where he wants to be on the court, hit some big shots, hit some tough shots. Something to keep an eye on. It's just it's crazy how when he's playing well, nobody talks about him. So those are the things that stuck out about the Auburn game, although not, not one was solely based just on the Auburn game. Uh, a great game from Kentucky. That's, that's what good teams should do against bad teams, and Kentucky didn't let Auburn hang around. And it got me thinking after after following the game on Twitter, and I didn't go because of the weather, but after following the game on the, on Twitter and on TV and watching and kind of reading some comments on our message board about how fun this season's going, with, with how quickly March Madness is coming up, 27-0 is unbelievable. I don't think I'm ever going to see that record matched in my lifetime again. I don't think I'm going to see a team at UK start the year 27-0, just play too many tough teams, to be honest, and, and just always the circled opponent on any SEC team's schedule, especially on the road. It's crazy to me, though, that in a month, this could be maybe the most heartbreaking Kentucky season of all time. And this isn't me being all pessimistic. It's just we're getting close to that time where, where everything starts to matter. Games start to matter. You can't afford a loss. Now, in a month and a half, we could be looking back on the greatest basketball season in the history of college basketball. Or, again, we could look, be looking back on a year where some Kentucky fans could honestly say maybe it was a little disappointing. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I guess maybe if they lost in the first or second round— uh, that would be a disappointing season. But things are just going to start to heat up for this Kentucky team. And the good news is, I don't think, at least from hearing these the players talk and watching them play on the court, the pressure's not getting to them just yet. The last time it did, or the last time this team kind of struggled, the LSU game. Since then, blowing out opponents left and right. Maybe not the most, maybe not the best opponents. But if you're, if you're playing somebody that's not as good as you, you should be able to beat them with ease, and they've done that the last three games. But things are going to start to heat up, and I got an email from somebody today saying that they're, they're a Kentucky fan, and they've been following the season, and, and there's always that debate on, does Kentucky need a loss, blah, blah, blah. Some people said yes, some people say no, some people will say no until they lose and then spin it around as a good thing. I might be one of those people. But I got an email today from a, a UK fan saying that you're 27-0, you better go for it. 
it looks like at least the last few weeks that's the team's mindset. They're going pedal to the metal, full blast. Let's see how this thing shakes out. They're going to take on a, a Mississippi State team that's not great uh, on Wednesday, but you, you certainly can't overlook any team on the road, and I don't think Kentucky will do that. Then after that, just one more road game. If Kentucky can take care of business at home, uh, I still think Athens is going to be a tough game to win. Heading into heading into the SEC tournament undefeated is very, very feasible. And what happens after that? Well, we'll see. But it's gearing up, and, and I got in a nice little conversation on Twitter about seeding, and Kentucky's going to be the number one seed, and we're going to talk a lot more about March, March Madness and Selection Sunday when that starts to roll closer because I've got a lot of opinions on uh, selection committee and how much they value geography and how much it bothers me, and they shouldn't do that. But I, I, I got to watch a lot of that Gonzaga game this weekend, and that is not a team that's going to make a lot of noise in March. And before the season, I had them as a sleeper, uh, maybe even a sleeper Final Four pick. But I, I am definitely stepping back off that. The good news is college basketball isn't great this year. So if Gonzaga was able to win a few games in the tournament, would I be shocked? No. Would I be surprised if they made the Final Four? Yes. They were very lucky to beat St. Mary's. St. Mary's really gave them that game, collapsed, but it's a it's a St. Mary's team that is a bubble team. Gonzaga really hasn't been tested, hasn't faced a quality opponent really since losing to Arizona. Maybe you could call the UCLA game a, a, a tough test. But whether or not what Gonzaga does in the tournament, you know, we'll see. I'll either be wrong or I'll be right on that. But something that's more opinion-based, they should not be a one seed. And I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. If if they get a one seed, and here's the thing, it's gonna be interesting because it really might just come down to who doesn't slip up between these teams: Gonzaga, Arizona, Wisconsin, Duke, Virginia. Five teams for three one seeds. Yates, who do you think out of those five, which three should get one? Should be one seeds on Selection Sunday. Give me, give me the teams again. Arizona, Wisconsin, Gonzaga, Duke, Virginia. I would say, as it stands, Virginia, Duke, and I'll say Arizona. Interesting. And the thing is, you're not really wrong with suggesting those teams. Uh, I, you know, I know, and and I'm I'm always a big fan. I'm always going to pick a Power Five school over a mid-major. I've always been that way, and that's just me. I like teams that that play better teams night in, night out. Now, that being said, if Gonzaga wasn't a one seed with one loss on Selection Sunday, and, and all they have to do is beat San Diego and BYU and then win the West Coast Conference Tournament, and, and that will be the case, and I think all those things are incredibly likely to happen. If they're if they have one loss on Selection Sunday, and they don't get a one seed, people are just going to flip. But it, it, 
you know, what are you going to value? Are you going to value a lack of bad losses or good wins? Because, yes, they don't have any bad losses, but how many good wins do they have? And I had Gonzaga fans tweeting me that they killed Georgia, they killed an SEC team, but they won by 12 in November. And if you're bragging better wins, then you don't have good wins. You don't. You beat a UCLA team on the road that Kentucky beat by 40. And who Kentucky beats isn't your measuring stick for if you have good wins or not. But if that's your best win at UCLA, they may not make the tournament. They don't deserve a one seed. And I get that they don't have any bad losses, but you also have to beat some people. Wichita State goes undefeated last year. They don't get the number one overall seed. And they shouldn't have. And if there were better teams with better records throughout college basketball, they wouldn't have gotten a one seed, maybe. As you have it, Arizona 24-3 and on the year. If they win out and win the Pac-12, then they, def- then they certainly deserve a one seed over Gonzaga, in my opinion. If you finish the year... 31-3 and three in the Pac-12, you deserve a one seed. Now let's look at Wisconsin. 25-2 and two on the year. They've got three road games coming up to finish out the year. And if they can do that and finish Big Ten play around 32-2, and two, two losses. And one was to Rutgers, and Rutgers is really, really bad. I watched some of that Indiana game. Man, they're bad. But they didn't have Frank. They didn't have their best player, maybe the best player in the country for that game. So maybe you you, you look past that loss. Their only other loss to Duke. If they finish that, they're definitely. If they finish the year without another loss, they're definitely getting a one seed. And then you get up on Virginia and Duke. Duke has more quality wins than any team in the country. Virginia has one loss, just like Gonzaga. I, I just think all those teams. Arizona, Wisconsin, Duke, Virginia. Better resumes, better teams than Gonzaga. And, and I get you can't always take a better, because I think a lot of teams are better than Gonzaga. You, you, UNC, better than Gonzaga. I think Louisville could beat Gonzaga. You can go down the list. of, of uh, uh, There's several. So you can't just go by who you actually think the better team is. It, it does. You have to play into the resume to some point. And again, Gonzaga's been nearly perfect with a, a close slip-up loss to Arizona. Well, good for Gonzaga. You, you controlled what you can control, but that doesn't mean that you're handed a one seed. doesn't mean you're handed a trophy. The good news about March is if, if they're not a one seed, then they can prove it. They won't, but they can. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be bothered if you have Wisconsin and Kentucky's region. Because those are two of the top four teams in college basketball. They shouldn't be playing each other until the final four. Now, if you wanted to put Gonzaga in Kentucky's region, then that's fine. And the and the bad news is it if Arizona slips up and loses one of their games, Wisconsin does. Maybe, maybe Duke or Virginia. I think maybe they have a little more leeway, maybe to lose one game. But if they lose two, then Gonzaga's going to sneak their way in just because they're not playing anybody, and that's not right. We're going to have a commercial break. When we come back, we'll, we'll close up this argument, close up the show here on a Monday. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. 
Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here. One final segment on 1450, the sports buzz. So, like I, like I finished off the show, I, I don't see a scenario where Gonzaga deserves to be a one seed. Now, again, unfortunately, I think they're probably going to get one because, like I said, Arizona, Wisconsin, Duke, Virginia, all more deserving Five teams battling for for three number one seeds because Kentucky's going to get one. But if you had Wisconsin drop a game, Arizona drop a game, well, then you've got Gonzaga, Duke, and Virginia sliding right in. If you have Duke or Virginia, the most likely option is Gonzaga not losing. And if they don't lose, other teams probably will and they're going to slide in and, and steal one, and it's just going to be unfortunate. And the NCAA tournament just puts such an emphasis on geography that you're likely going to get Gonzaga and Arizona in the same region, which makes no sense. You're going to have two teams. Maybe, maybe the, If Gonzaga's the one, then without a doubt the weakest one. Arizona, I, I, you know, depending on who the other twos are, probably the at least the second or third worst two. And you're going to put those two teams in the same region. Certainly not the toughest two, if that were the case. And you're going to put them out there and let them play out west because, ge- because that's how it should work, geography. Never mind the idea that Arizona is likely going to have to go to Portland or Seattle for their first and second round games. But God forbid you send them out to Cleveland. Syracuse. Some of the other places. It's not like they're going to be traveling back and forth night in and night out. Uh, I hate that I, I I hate that they put such an emphasis on geography. If Arizona has to travel to Houston to be in the South region, that's not the end of the world. If Gonzaga has to travel to Cleveland to be in the Midwest region instead of driving or flying to LA, what's the difference between an hour flight and a two hour flight or a two hour flight and a three hour flight? Nothing. It's really, it really can mess up the tournament. It can mess up the brackets and can make this, this whole process not as fair as it should be. But we'll see. Still a lot of basketball left to play. And if you had a situation where Wisconsin started to fold, then sure, they don't deserve to be a one. And same with Arizona, same with Duke, same with Virginia. Just think what if you had to base on resumes right now, those, all, all those teams are more deserving. Let's get to a, a little bit of recruiting news before we have to, to sign off for today. Now, this is rare. You don't see this a lot. 2016 five-star wing player guard Tyus Battle cuts his list to seven 
did not include Kentucky. I and I'm basketball recruiting analyst, and I, I think I do a decent job from time to time. I thought Kentucky, if they didn't lead in this recruitment, then they were just behind Duke. I thought they were in a really good spot. John Calipari liked Tyus Battle a lot. Slice was in on this recruitment. Everybody that deals with Slice likes what they have to offer. So he cuts his list to UConn, Duke, Louisville, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Syracuse. Leaves Kentucky off of it. This is a 2016 guy, so he might not be deciding, again, for maybe a year. Not for a while. Very rare to see Kentucky get cut off a list. Now, the good news is there's plenty of other talented guards in 2016. I think Kentucky will be fine. I spoke with Tyus Battle's dad today about why, why Kentucky was cut and said that his son just had a thought the other schools would be a better fit and think Kentucky was a great fit for him, which is interesting for, for me when a recruit says that people cannot like Kentucky. People cannot like any school. Maybe you don't have as good as a relationship, and I guess ultimately that's probably what it comes down to. But be uh, it's interesting to hear that it, it, it makes it make it makes you think that maybe subtly that's his way of saying platooning's not for me. That or I just don't have that good of a relationship. Some better news for, for Kentucky. They got a commitment from Benny Snell, running back from Ohio. Watch his tapes. He's great. Justin Rowland and Cats Illustrated broke this decision. Kentucky's 2016 recruiting class currently at number 11. Now, you'd rather it be at number 11 in January of next year instead of February with 350 days to go before signing day. But, you know, it's a good start. It's a good start, and this is certainly not the same start that the 2015 class had. And obviously, if we learned anything from the 2015 class, it doesn't really matter what start you have, whether you have a good one or a bad one, if you can't hold on to the class. So cats cats are doing work right now, but it's going to be a lot more work to make sure you can keep the class together. We'll see how they do that if they learn from their mistakes from last year. But he's a really talented running back. Justin Rowland says Kentucky's looking to take two in 2016. So, so keep an eye on football recruiting. Never really ends there. Cards take on Georgia Tech tonight. We talked about it a lot in the first segment. Huge game for Louisville. Yates, what's your prediction there? Cards win. Is it close? Does Quinn Snyder have a big game? Does he allow some of the Louisville fans to, to back off the ledge? What, what happens? Give me a little more detail. Uh, I'll say it's a, a nine-point win. It's comfortable, but not a blowout. And I, I'll say Quentin probably has roughly the same game he had against Syracuse. Not He's not going to go crazy, you know, I, but it, it'll be a solid game. I, I, I think Louisville wins a close one. I think Quinn can just be okay for Louisville moving forward, and, and Louisville can be okay. But I think if Louisville wants to to make things interesting in March, Wayne Blackshear has to step up. And if, if Louisville fans and, and people and media have – there's a nickel for every time somebody said that, you'd be rich, and it hasn't worked out yet. 
But, re- but really, now this time, I mean it. Now it's now, now or never. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Life without Chris Jones starts in just a few hours in Atlanta. We'll be back to talk about that tomorrow. Or actually, I don't know. There's a lot of Louisville baseball games on, so I have to check my schedule when we're on this week. But when we are on, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about Kentucky and Mississippi I, State. I believe the next time we'll be on will be Thursday. Thursday. So we won't even get to talk about uh, the uh, Kentucky game. Okay, well, that, fair enough. Uh, so listen to Cards Baseball on 1450, and we, when we come back, we'll have a lot to talk about. So I'll let you uh, listen to Louisville baseball, and then we'll get back when we can. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then. 1450, the sports bus. To my old Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home. Uh, they say welcome to the 502. Take the Georgia boy, show them how Kentucky do. Uncle Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget 27, don't be hitting two. Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone.